Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. As you guys are well aware, Mississippi State won an intercollegiate college baseball game yesterday. I guess it's kind of a uh, kind of redundant there. Intercollegiate games would always be college games, but I digress. Mississippi State takes care of Texas Tech, eleven to five. Let me let me say this before we get too deep down the road. I have not given up on this Mississippi State baseball team. Linda disappointed. We're not the better start. But there's no quit in these dogs. There's no quit in my loyalty and support of these dogs. We're going to be fine. Are we a top eight national seed without Landon Sims? Probably not. Are we a team that can uh, make a regional? Absolutely. Are we a team that can host a regional? Yeah, that's still a possibility. But the reality is we've got to play better. We played better last night. I don't think you can ever take a snapshot of the season and say, well, this is it, unless it's in Omaha. That's what determines the quality of your season. Not a weekend in late February, early March. We had some problems last year, too. We still found a way to win ball games. You know, we had some walk-offs against Eastern Michigan. We had some walk-offs against Tulane. Had been able to get those big hits so far this year. And it's not that we're not capable. A lot of it is just about simply becoming more comfortable in the moment. We'll get there. We will. This is a very talented team. As you guys are seeing, too, you've got some young stars beginning to emerge, including Hunter Hines. We have a, we have a freshman hitting three-hole. A freshman. Lead the team in home runs. So the question about Chris Lamonis' ability to recruit, to me, is, um, is answered in many respects because you look at guys like Aaron Downs, you look at Hunter Hines, uh, you look at some of these young guys that are coming along, you know, guys that Lamonis and staff have recruited. And people forget, too, Will Bednar was a Chris Lamonis, Scott Foxhall recruit, too. So, yeah, this is sustainable. I have read some social media commentary that is not rooted in fact it is rooted in hyperbole by prisoners of the moment. You know, people forget, too, you know, Rowdy Jordan, a John Cohen recruit, too. Tanner Allen, an Andy Canizaro recruit. But at the end of the day, it's never been about a, about a coach here at Mississippi State. As I've shared with you guys before, Mississippi State has been to Omaha with six different coaches, which is the most in the Southeastern Conference, among the most nationally. This is a program not built by one coach. This is a program built over time by several coaches, endorsed by our fans, supported by our administration. Our commitment to college baseball is unparalleled. We're going to always be able to get players. We don't have to go get the scratch and dent guys. And here's what happens, too. We, you know, we get guys that don't necessarily have to be developed. I mean, yeah, there is always some player development over time. But we're recruiting the nation's elite. We have reached that point where we can consistently put a quality program on the field. This year is going to be no different. Now, many of you said, hey, Steve, can we repeat? Well, you know, we can. Do I expect us to? No. Can we get to Omaha? Yes. Yes, we can. That, that chore is going to be a lot more difficult without Lennon Sims, though. But somebody's got to step up. We're not just going to sit here on March 9th and say, well, that's it. That's the season. And so I encourage you to stay in here with the team. They're not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. 
and most of you aren't going to give up either. And there's a lot of things out there, you know, people have opinions sometimes that don't have all the facts, and, and that's because they care. It's not in any way to suggest that people's opinions are invalid. But there are a lot of opinions that are shared that are not rooted in fact. Well, this is what I think. Well, sometimes what you think is based on what you know, and you don't know a whole lot. That includes me sometimes, too. You know, this is a bullpen. It's been a little bit banged up. You know, Casey Hunt, uh, going to be out for a little bit. Be, he'll be, he's expected back. Stone Simmons, probably going to be out for a week or so, maybe two. You know, we'll see how things progress there. But, uh, you know, we can't just sit here and just ask our opponents, hey, can you guys play with eight? Because we've had some adversity. Nobody's going to feel sorry for Mississippi State. But the good thing is, because we have recruited at such a high level, and Chris Lamontis is an elite recruiter. That was his reputation even before he became a head coach at Indiana. This is a guy that worked with Dan McDonald. They were teammates, best friends. Dan McDonald, one of the best recruiters in all of college baseball. And Louisville is not a blue blood of college baseball. You know, he has made them a very relevant team. These are the glory days of Cardinal baseball. And Chris Lamonis helped put the first wheel on that wagon. You begin to think, okay, I'm going somewhere that's in a Power 5 conference that uh, historically has not been great. They've been good at times, but not great. And I'm having to compete in the SEC recruiting footprint. i got to go get players. Well, they did. And so Lamonis had a front row seat and was a key cog in those efforts. Well, now all of a sudden, he's here, won an AFL championship, has the greatest cathedral in all of college baseball, the greatest facilities, the greatest commitment. You think the guy's just going to all of a sudden forget how to recruit? No, you're kidding yourself. We got a great coach. We got a great situation. We got a great team with great talent. We just hadn't had a great result early on. But at the end of the day, seasons are judged on how and where they end, not on how and where they begin. If they were, Ole Miss would be NAFL champions, right? Because they always, oh, it's always, oh, they're always going to be the greatest team. And then they beat up on some non-conference teams and then they falter late. You know, we have been a team in recent years that has played our best baseball down the stretch when it matters most. And that'll be the case this year, too. People forget, you know, listen, I'm, I've had a love affair with Mississippi State baseball my entire life. But 2018 nearly got me. I was just so ready for it to be over. It was like every time I go out there, it's like I, I just want to avoid getting blown out. And we end up in Omaha. It's a long season. Be patient. I mean, this time last year, we were talking about offensive woes, and we scored 44 runs in the last four games. It's a team game. Got to find a way to get some guys uh, to step up in the bullpen. Starting pitching. It's been good. Has been. So it's like sometimes we get so caught up in our own misery and we start feeling sorry for ourselves and nothing's going right and there's this. And and when we take a step back and look at it objectively, you know, all of a sudden since we've got this new look lineup with these uh, basically a bunch of linebackers out there running around in the outfield, arguably the biggest outfield in the country, Siebert, Cumbest, Kellen Clark, Aaron Downs, of course, looks like a guy that could line up and uh, blow you up on kickoff return too. You know, we've got a very physical lineup. And since we have gone in that direction, we have been much better offensively. You can say, but Steve, on Sunday, you're right. You're right. You're right. On Sunday, we did not come through with the clutch hit. And we still should have won the ball game. This hit in church league softball. You're not going to go out there and put up 15, 16 runs a game. 
You got to win some games four to three. And we didn't. We had a chance to do it. We didn't. Should have come through with some big hits. We didn't. Sun doesn't shine every day. But Chris Lamontis is a guy that knows how to push the buttons. So, again, now all of a sudden we're beginning to kind of ride with the lineup. We've, we've had a little mix and match there. You know, Davis match gets his first college start last night. And actually did pretty well. He tried a couple different guys there. You know, at second base. But um, you know, I think by and large we're beginning to settle the order. And as a result, you're seeing some offensive results. We're beginning to settle the weekend rotation. And you're getting good starting pitching. You know, our issue – is the bullpen. We're inexperienced. We have talent. We're inexperienced. And I think Brooks Auger is going to be really good. I really do. I thought Drew Talley did some good things over the weekend. You know, and so now it's like, okay, we expected this. Okay, we, we thought Casey Hunt was going to be our, our Saturday starter. Well, he kind of tweaked something, so we have to take Preston Johnson, who is our, our most reliable long reliever out of the bullpen. Now we've put him in the rotation. Okay, but we need Stone on the back end. Then he then he tweaks something. Well, now he's out for a little bit. You know, and so it's like we want to look for reasons. Sometimes we want to think, oh, there's some deeper issue. The reality of it is baseball is a physical game, and if you're not 100% healthy, it's difficult to win. And so you have some guys because injuries are part of the game. You'll never hear me excuse that. But now some guys that uh, probably were pitching midweek are going to have to throw on the weekend. You know, Pico Collins, a guy that um, – you're kind of in the mix. I think in long term, he's probably a starter for us. Guys pitch pretty well. You know, I mean, especially being a freshman. You know, Jack Walker's a guy that's kind of been feast or famine. The guy's going a lot of ball games before he's done here. But we're having to kind of take some of these guys that were kind of on the developmental curve a little bit and say, hey, you know what? We don't have time for you to figure it out. You got to go. You got to go. And so that's kind of what the issue is right now. And the good thing about that is, is every time these guys go out there and pitch, they learn a little something. And Scott Foxhall learns a little something about them. And all of a sudden, you begin to kind of mix and match, and you can figure out what guys are good at. But again, nobody's going to feel sorry for Mississippi State. We shouldn't either. We shouldn't either. These are our dogs. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. While I was away, the fam went and ate without me at Bulldog Burger Company. I come back, and there's, uh, you know, the leftover containers in the fridge. Nobody told me they were going to Bulldog Burger Company. And that's the thing. A lot of times when you go eat dinner at Bulldog Burger Company, you're actually getting lunch for the next day, too. Very, very, very generous portions. I love eating there. I do. It's fresh. It's a great atmosphere, great service, great people, great food at a great price. And those portions, again, I've said on the show before, a lot of people – you know, having trouble hiring people, and so they're looking to kind of cost reduce a little bit, and so they've cut you back on your portions a little bit. That's not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. You still get what you pay for there. You absolutely get what you pay for at Bulldog Burger Company. Be sure and check them out. You'll be glad you did. Three great locations to serve you right here, University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and then Lake Harbor Drive there in central Mississippi. The Reds one, Madison, Flowood area, all of it. You know, y'all, all you eat at the same locations, right? That's what you do. Go by and check them out. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk about this wonderful baseball win last night. And all wins in baseball are wonderful. All wins in all sports are wonderful. The wins in baseball just, you know, 
I don't know, it kind of tickled the fancy a little bit more, especially when we've been struggling a little bit and we have a chance to take on a quality team like Texas Tech. And we've had their number, man. I, Texas Tech might want to stop scheduling us. I mean, honestly, we have really gotten after Texas Tech the last few years. I don't know. I mean, honestly, if I'm Texas Tech, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, and I love Tim Tadlock, man. I think Tim Tadlock has one of the best offensive approaches in America. I love that guy. I do. When Mississippi State was going through this coaching search before, that was the name that I mentioned to John Cole and myself. Let's go get Timmy Tadlock. He goes, you know, maybe I had, maybe we should. Maybe we should talk to him. We didn't. It worked out okay um, for us. Yeah, we got a NAFL championship, Texas Tech doesn't. But we, we have really, really, really uh, put up some quality wins against Texas Tech in recent years. This is a good Texas Tech team, too. Again, this is a team last year that was, uh, you know, top eight national seed. And they, they returned some pieces, too. You know, but kind of looking at our recent success, I mean, I mean, goodness, we can go all the way back to when, you know, when, when John was still the head coach. I mean, real quickly here. And, and, again, remember what Texas Tech has been, you know, right? It's, it's one of those deals you look at and you say, well, you know, you know, Texas Tech has, uh, has kind of been up and down a little bit, but they really hadn't. Texas Tech is one of those teams that has consistently, you know, been a team that is in the mix for some big things each and every year. And just as I mentioned, this last year, they, they went to Omaha. Or they went, they were a top eight national seed. I don't guess they made it. But you kind of understand my point. This is, you know, we're, we're beating them, I guess, uh, you know, when it matters. So we play them, I guess, back in, uh, looks like it's 17. We beat them eight to five in 17. That, that same team, that same Texas Tech team, beat Ole Miss, number eight Ole Miss that year, and LSU number two that year. Wasn't a bad year. Had a lot of top 25 wins. And then they take two out of three later in the year against TCU. Lost to Sam Houston State in the regional, though. Let's take a look here. I don't know. Do we, do we play them in 18? Let's look and see. Yes, we did. And, we, and uh, they beat us. They split with us as part of the Bulldog Classic. They beat us 5-2. We beat them 8-5. Uh, to five. So, that's, you know, Three and one there over the period of a couple of years, and of course I know we played them. Twenty twenty. Let me take a look here. Twenty nineteen. I don't know that we played them in twenty nineteen. Yes, we did, and we beat them again then out in Frisco. That's right. I was there. We beat them four to two, out in Frisco, and then of course we uh, we take two from them just before the world went crazy. And who knew, man, that two years ago today, that uh, life was about to change the way that it was. Pretty insane, man. Yeah, we take two from them. So, yeah, you can kind of do the math on that. We have played those guys annually now for four years straight, five years straight, and um, and we've beaten them. And this is not a, you know, an, an insignificant team. Those two wins that we took from them in 2020, they were 16-3 and three that year. Two of those three against Mississippi State. So, outside of that, out of the 17 games outside of us, they won them all but one. It's pretty crazy. Let's take a quick look, if we can, at last night's game. It's always fun to talk about wins. And we had some moments last night that were very good and still some teachable moments in the ballgame, too. You know, we weren't 100% proficient, you know, with on-base percentage, and we didn't do a good job, uh, you know, getting those guys around at times. Of course, we had the big gaudy inning there. We kind of jumped on them. Uh, proved to be kind of the difference in the ballgame. And, and for those of you that are going out there today, the game's been moved to 3 p.m. It was originally scheduled for 5. We're going to play at 3, 3 o'clock today. 
against Texas Tech. And hopefully we can get another dub. That's the hope. All right, real quickly here, let's take a look at last night. Really proud of the effort. Proud of some of these younger guys, too, for coming through. You know, we're seeing some guys grow up. Started out kind of slow enough, but Parker Sinnett is on the mound. And Parker, of course, uh, in, in the eyes of many, man, you know, kind of, kind of unfairly maligned, I guess, a little bit for the collapse uh, on Saturday at Tulane. Truth of the matter is we lost all the juice going into that inning. Now, that said, kids got those strikes. And now here we go. Now here we go. Time to get going again. So Parker Sinnett uh, comes out rolling. Now, these are some – we get deep in some counts. As a matter of fact, we got behind all three hitters. First pitch to each hitter was a ball. But he ends up striking them out swinging. And, I, and I'm again thinking, okay, well, yeah, that, that's a good start. But, man, we're getting deep into counts. You know, we got to be able to locate. And, you know, and, and that's not to say the kid isn't feeling a little bit of anxiety. You know, he's trying to find a role on this team. And then he's playing a Power 5 team that's got Omaha aspirations this year. This is not just, you know, this is some, un, you know, it's not just another game is my point. You know, he's trying to redeem himself and also to prove himself worthy of a regular role on this team and could potentially be on the weekend. And it's not like we're playing, you know, Louisiana School of Math and Science. So a good start, not a great start, a good start. And you say, well, Steve, any one, two, three start is great. Well, when I'm thinking about the fact that we've got to play five games this week, I don't want to have to, a pitcher have to go too deep and to go deep into the bullpen. Our bottom line, we go one, two, three as well. We're being a little more aggressive here, I, 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 would, uh, I would suggest, because we're swinging early at counts. Matter of fact, uh, first three pitches that we saw, First, first three first pitches, we took a hack at him. Hancock fly, uh, fouls the first pitch off, ends up fouling out, flying out, excuse me. Cam James pops up the second, swing at the first pitch. Hunter Hines strikes out swinging, but also swing at the first pitch. Absolutely being aggressive at the, at the plate. All right, so we get into the second and uh, got a little anxiety here. And again, we get deep into counts and we walk the first two hitters. Stillwell, and every time I hear Stillwell, I think about uh, Tombstone. Don't you? Is it just me? Maybe it is. But we walk the first two hitters, and again, we, we get one first pitch fastball, but, but again, we're deep in the counts, and we were not able to finish hitters efficiently. Runners at first and second, and you were like feeling like me. You know, I'm, I was at home. I didn't cover the game last night. I've been on the road for a few days. Mike Nemeth covering for, for us. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll, I won't be at the game this afternoon either. I will be uh, at a signing at the farm in Ruville, Mississippi. By the time we get there, the game will be half over. Uh, that said, Parker Sinnett battles back, pitches his way into trouble, pitches his way out of it, gets a, gets a line out to right. We get a K and then a foul out to third. Cam runs it down. Plenty of foul ground there at MGM. And so we're off the hook. And to be honest with you, that's really the only time I thought Parker Sinnett really struggled was the opening of that second inning and then he comes back and makes pitches. He executes. All of a sudden, he's not getting deeper into counts. He's pitching the contact, kind of forcing some action here. I think that inning settled him down. I think it gave him some real confidence. Been nice if we could have got him some runs. We didn't. We go one, two, three. Again, again, 
We're coming out being aggressive. The only guy that didn't swing at the first pitch is Brad Compass, and we all know that he's kind of sitting dead red fastball. So if you can throw a breaking ball for a strike, chances are you're going to get a strike one on Brad. But it's a one, two, three inning. Top of third, Sunat goes back out here. And uh, kind of interesting here, again, we make an error behind him, and it costs us. We open up with a K swinging, and then there is a ground ball that gets by Cam James. Ruled an error. I would have called it an error, too. Cam probably would have as well. Then there is the uh, we strike out swinging. Guy takes second there. Now, all of a sudden, you got a runner in scoring position with two outs. And give Jung credit, a guy that is considered by many to be the top player in the Big 12. Hits a gapper in right center. The run scores. It's one nothing, And then we get Stillwell to strike out. Tombstone reference again. But again, it's kind of it's, that's what happens in baseball. You make an error. Next thing you know, the, you know, the dude comes up, gets the key hit. Now you're down. You know, we make we make the play there, and we're not going to make them all. We're going to make a lot more than we're not. But the reality of it is, kind of a self-inflicted error here. But the reality of it is, is Parker Sinet didn't fold. He didn't. He very because what what does he do after the error? He gets a K. He goes right back after a guy and he gets a strikeout. Okay, bottom of third, we finally get our first hit. Kellum Clark strikes out swinging again. We're chasing the first pitch there. Uh, not necessarily say we're chasing, but we're being aggressive, not letting them dictate terms to us. Hadn't, hadn't yielded anything for us yet. And then Tanner Leggett comes up, takes the first pitch ball, fouls one off, and then doubles down the line and left. Now all of a sudden, State's got a runner in a scoring position. And again, we struggle to get the big hit here. Mash strikes out swinging, so there's a non-productive out for you. And then Hancock flies out to center after getting ahead 3-0 in the count. We strand the runner at third. All right, top of four. We talk about Parker Sinet gaining confidence. What does he do here in the top of four? He strikes out the side. And, you know, had some manageable counts, but didn't really have deep counts. And comes out, attacks the zone. Gets Washburn on three pitches. Great, great job from Parker Sinet. So it's four nothing, but you're looking up and thinking, you know what? This feels an awful like like what we saw on Sunday. We're getting you know, we're getting a good you know starting pitching performance, but uh, we're not able to manage any runs. Well, in the bottom of four, Mississippi State erases that concern. It opens up with a hit by pitch of Cam James, Hines and singles through the right side. We hold James at second. LT walks in a great at bat there. I think, what is it, nine, ten pitches? And they couldn't finish him. Loads of bases. And then Von Siebert is walked. And again, a great at bat there. You know, and, and this is a guy, too, that, you know, they're expected to be a weekend guy for them down the road. You know, Hampton's a guy that, uh, you know, they're expecting some big things from. They think he's one of their weekend arms of the future. He walks in a run there. The game is tied. So Parrish comes in. And I'll be honest, and, and this you'll think I'm being silly. When I saw this kid warming up, it's just one of those things, I guess, you look at. Just, I just thought his body language, that he, there was a lot of anxiety with him. And I made the comment to the people around me. I said, we're fixing to rock this dude. All right, Brad strikes out looking. But we pick him up. Kellum Clark, singles to the right side. Chases in a couple runs. Now it's 3-1. Leg comes in again, singles down the third baseline with an incredible bunt. And it's so funny, he got he got the sack button down over the weekend, and people are like, man, I can't believe he got it down. Well, then he, this is almost a perfect bunt. 
the he was going to beat it out anyway, and then the third baseman and pitcher kind of bumped into each other, and people fell down, and it was kind of funny. Um, there is laughter in baseball. So now we got the bases loaded again, and Davis Match comes up, singles to left center, drives in a run. It's 4-1. Hancock flies out to left. Very productive at bat there, despite getting down 0-2 in the count. It's a sack fly, RBI, 5-1, state. Cam James comes in, singles uh, to third base. Another run is in. It's 6-1. And then Hunter Hines comes up and says, hey, guys, just in case you were wondering, I'm right here. I'm right here. And that was an absolute tank to right center field, mainly center. Not a lot of parks uh, going to be able to hold that baseball. He absolutely torched that baseball. And it's 9-1. to one. And then uh, LT goes down swinging. But, again, another a lengthy at bat here. You know, he gets, gets, uh, gets ahead 2-1, fouls it off, fouls it off, and then there's a strike swinging there. And, and the pitch that he whipped on was, was well off the plate. But uh, just fooled on the pitch. But it's 9-1, and we're starting to feel comfortable. But at the same time, too, we remember what happened on Saturday. We're up 10-2, an eight-run lead, eight lead. And if you were all like me, I'm thinking this is hey, – I got to I got to make sure that we finish this game out. Yeah, I'm excited about the lead. I'm excited we're swinging the bats, but we've been here before, hadn't always been able to finish. So we'll continue to work through that, finding a way to finish. And fortunately, state was able to finish this ball game, but it wasn't um, wasn't necessarily a coast to the finish, shall we say? So top of five. We get a K-swing in, there's a walk, a K-swinging, and then there's a fly out to center. And you're thinking at this point, my goodness, we're through five innings. Who knew that Parker Stanat was going to be able to give us this quality appearance? And you know what? He pitched really well last Tuesday. And so maybe this is what he is. You know, maybe, maybe he's the guy that can be a quality starter. He didn't start last week, Jet Walker did, but Parker finished it up. And maybe that's where he needs to be for now. But I think most Bulldog fans, now you begin to realize kind of what the staff saw in him. It's like, oh, well, he was supposed to be so good in the fall in the preseason, and then he did this, and then he did that. Yeah, pretty good outing here against a quality opponent. You tip your cap to the kid. So we get out of the fifth, and uh, they change pitchers again and uh, get us pretty efficiently here. The ground out, strikeout looking, strikeout looking. Top of six, you know, Brandon Smith's in for Parker Sinet. And here's what I would suggest, you know, to my pitchers. is It is an eight-run lead. Go pound his own, throw strikes with the defense play. That's what we did. And, unfortunately, Brandon elevated a couple pitches, and they were able to touch him a little bit. I'm still a Brandon Smith fan. think a lot of that guy. Love his game. When he's able to get that sinker down, it's tough. Gives up the single to left center. There's a fly out. They reach on a fielder's choice. We nearly turn two there. Force the runner at second, and then we give up a triple, and the run scores. Get a ground out to end, and it's a 9 2 ball game going to the bottom of the sixth. We get the run right back. Leggett pops up, match strikes out looking, and we say, well, you know, two outs. Top of the order comes up, though. Luke Hancock singles down the line at first. Cam James comes through with a single. Now, all of a sudden, you got runners at the corners, and Hunter Hines comes through again, smashes a single to right field. We get the run back, it's 10-2, then LT uh, grounds out there. So 
And that's what good teams do, is when you give up runs, you got to respond. We did. Doesn't always work out that way, but we did. Brandon Smith's still on. We get a ground out to second. Give up the solo home run there, and then there's a ground out to the pitcher. It's 10-3. And at this point, I don't care. You know, with a set, with an eight, seven, seven, and eight, and one type lead. Pardon me. You throw it as hard as you can in the strike zone. Try to get the guy out. If he hits out of the ballpark, it's just a solo home run. We're up seven. We got room to work with. Bottom of seven. We got Downs pinch hitting for Siebert. He goes down swinging. Cumba strikes out swinging. Kind of a tough night for Brad. That's all right, Brad. It's going to be okay. Uh, Kellum Clarkton flies out to center to end the inning. Top of eight, things got a little dicey for us. We made some shifts out here defensively. And then Jung hits a home run. Thinking, okay, no big deal. Then there's a single to left and then a double to left. And then there's a sack fly. And all of a sudden, it's a 10-5 ball game. And all we're thinking, wait a minute here. Are we going to do this again? Give up another single. And then we bring in Pico Cone. You bring in Pico. What does Pico do? Right away throws a wild pitch. And at this point, you know, I'm kind of punching the furniture around me a little bit. But we get the K swinging, which was a huge out. Huge. Because thanks to the world, the, the wild pitch, we had eliminated the possibility of the double play, the routine double play. Because there I was, we're all thinking, let's just roll up a ground ball, Pico, we'll turn it. Well, we wild pitch those guys second, third. Now you have to get a punch out. And we do. And then we get a fly out to right field, a big lazy uh, can of corn out there, and we're out of the inning. So the kid strands of two runs, keeps it a five-run ball game. They change pitchers again, immediately walk uh, leg. He goes second on a wild pitch. Jaeger flies out to center. Leg tags, takes third. Hancock grounds out to second, and then Leggett scores on a wild pitch. So we get one of his runs back, makes it 11-5. Uh, and then Cam James strikes out swinging. But again, a quality of bat there. Pretty lengthy at bat, kind of battle, just couldn't finish. Top of nine, you know, Pico's still out here kind of making some things happen for us. Strikeout looking, strikeout swinging, fly out the center, drive home safely as the Diamond Dogs a win 11 to 5. Pretty crazy, man. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it really is. And again, we're not growing up yet, but we're taking some steps here with some guys that uh, maybe maybe had the training wheels on Come in January. We've got it off. You know, they're going to fall off the bike every now and again to kind of skin up their elbows and their knees, but they're learning to ride. Let's take a Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. Thirds also explained the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. 
Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Quick look at the numbers, if we can. Offensively, Luke Hancock, one for four. Cameron James, two for four. Two runs scored in RBI. Hunter Hines, the big hitting winner. Three hits, four RBI. Scored a couple runs, four bats. LT goes 0 for three, and that's kind of okay. He had to walk. And LT was 6 of 11 over the weekend. It's good to see somebody else pick him up. Uh, Von Siebert. 0 for 2, but uh, did get the walk and got an RBI. That's the uh, basis loaded walk there. Uh, Brad Combust, 0 for 4 with uh, three Ks, and they'll get him going. Brad's a guy. Brad's a worker. He'll he'll be fine. Kellum Clark, uh, 1 for 4 night for him with two RBIs and a run scored. Tanner Leggett, 2 for 3, two runs scored for him and a walk. And Leggett's a guy too on the base pass. It's kind of, you you better pay attention. Davis Mesh in his first start, 1 for 3. And RBI and a run scored. Also had a couple strikeouts. Uh, State strikes out 12 times as a team uh, on the evening. But speaking of 12 strikeouts, that brings us to our Prime Shrimp player of the game. If you're familiar with Prime Shrimp, you know exactly what we're doing here. Prime Shrimp is an outstanding company that's been peeling shrimp down in the New Orleans area since the 1940s. These guys know what they're doing. And people have said, Steve, you know, I love French food. I love the French quarter. I love French fries. I love French-sounding names. And here's the deal. The prime shrimp people founded by some Acadian French people. How about that? Cajun folks all the way. Now, here's the deal. A lot of people say, you know what, Steve, I went to New Orleans, and it was great to have that Gulf fresh seafood. It was so great to be able to be around all that stuff. And I would love to be able to cook that at home, but it's so much trouble. That's what Prime Shrimp does for you. They remove the trouble. You get this great little pouch, you boil a pot of water, and in 10 minutes, you've got high-quality shrimp ready to go. Whether it be the Alfredo, whether it be the Simply Seasoned, whether it be the Louisiana Crab Bowl, you, you can't go wrong. 
You don't have to peel them. You don't have to vein them. You just open the pouch and pour them in. Boom, you're done. No prep, no cleanup, simply done. Check them out today at primeshrimp.com and use promo code BONEYARD to save a little cash on your order. Primeshrimp.com. And, of course, your prime shrimp player of the game, well, who else could it be? But Parker Stinnett. Parker Stinnett now 2-0 on the season. Five innings pitch, one hit, one run, three walks, 12 strikeouts. Way to go, kid. No hit by pitches. Faced seven, uh, had 17 at-bats. Faced 20 hitters. Three flyouts, 93 pitches thrown. Brandon Smith goes two and a third, uh, 42 pitches for him. Pico Cohn uh, mops up there, 1.2 innings pitch and just 24 pitches. So he, you know, he would be good to go this weekend too. And Brandon would be too. But a great step forward for Mississippi State, and a lot of it had to do with the pitching performance of Parker Sinnett. Not giving up on the kid. Not going to do it. And listen, there. Listen, I'll be honest with you. There are times when I cover the team, and you know, when the certain guys go out there, I, I kind of tense up a little bit. And there are times with Parker, I felt that way. Like last year's, like I, I just, I don't know what Parker we're going to get. You know, if we can get the Parker that we've had the last two Tuesdays, that's going to be very instrumental in Mississippi State success. You know, Parker. You know, obviously after throwing on Tuesday, comes back on Saturday and tries to close the game out for us, and uh, it didn't work out. And that's competition. But the reality of it is this kid does have some talent. And, uh, you know, we've heard for some time how he had taken a step forward. I think we've seen a little bit of that now. But, again, there are some guys out there that are just better off as starters. And and maybe that's him. He was in the mix to be a weekend starter. He was in that competition. Ultimately, he didn't win. You know, but due to some injuries, you know, maybe he becomes more of a factor on the weekends. But the reality of it is this is a guy that uh, has a great breaking ball. You've heard me say it on the show before. We have a lot of baseball fans on the show, and it kind of goes without saying, but here's the deal. When you can land your breaking ball for a strike, you can pretty much do whatever you want to do in life. It's true. It's not just a baseball metaphor. When people get when you get predictable and all you can throw is that fastball, and that's the only thing you can throw in his own, people sit fastball. Parker Stinnett did a great job of landing the breaking ball for a strike and really in odd counts. Sometimes he would open up with the breaking ball. He'd pitch you backwards. The guy has some ability. And we're going to need him. We need him. It's not that I want him to be good. No, we need him. In order for us to get where we want to go, whether that be Omaha or a Super Regional or whatever, we're going to need Parker Stinnett. We're not going to get to the Super Regionals without Parker Stinnett pitching some quality innings for us. And I'll be glad when we don't have these five-game weeks, to be honest with you, as much as I love playing every day. And, of course, you use a non-conference to kind of get some work for some guys. You know, you'll start having the one midweek, be able to save some guys for the weekend and middle relief or whatever. And then maybe that's Parker. I don't know. But it was an outstanding effort last night against a great team. A great team. And we mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, and I want to run this down because we're going to go back to Texas Tech here in a few hours. I think it's important to kind of understand that this is not like – you say, well, you know, Texas Tech is usually pretty good, Steve, but how are they doing this year? A lot of people, you're so busy, you don't have time to check. Well, I do. I do have time to check. Texas Tech is now 10-3 and three on the year. And, of course, that one is last night. They opened up at the State Farm College Baseball Showdown at Globe Life Field. You remember that, that place? We were there last year, right? 
So they beat Michigan 7-6. They lose to Auburn 2-1, and they lose to Arizona 13-2. So that's two of their losses the opening weekend out at Globe Life. Well, since that time, they knocked off Dallas Baptist. Kent State swept that series. They beat Dallas Baptist again. And Dallas Baptist, obviously a team that was in the Supers last year. They took a four-game set from Merrimack. They'd won nine games in a row until they saw us. So this is not a Texas Tech team, but it's just kind of been scuffling along. And you can say, well, Steve, they played Merrimack. Yeah, and they beat them 17-1, 21-5, 20-2, and 12-4. Right? I mean, it's like you look at the numbers here and say, I had the, once they got out of Globe Life, they didn't lose again until they came to Biloxi, Mississippi. So they'll be getting ready to go this evening. Again, that's up to 3 o'clock. Uh, that will be streamed again, as usual, um, from Biloxi. So be sure and check that out. But uh, excited about what happened last night. Need to keep going. Bulldogs will host Princeton this weekend. We'll preview the Princeton series on, uh, on Friday's show. Uh, but I'm, ex- I'm really excited about what's happened. Uh, excited to get the win. And, and the thing about it is, too, is like everybody wants Mississippi State to win. And some of us are just more vocal in defeat. You know, that, that doesn't mean that they love Mississippi State any less. There are some people out there that, that uh, should probably read more and post less on uh, social media. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that um, it's a big win for all of us, and we can kind of rest assured, and I think everybody is encouraged to see what Parker Stonette has done. But, again, I go back to the fact we talk about how much we struggled in the midweek last year, uh, last week, excuse me, and then Chris Simonis makes the, the very difficult decision to shake the lineup up again, and uh, we put a more physical lineup together, and now we scored, what, 44 runs in, in four games. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Got to keep it going. It's not always going to be that way. And it would be interesting to see the pitching matchups today. So, there, there you go with all of that. Let's uh, let's talk close with Blair.com. Time for today's top ten list. And thank you guys for your support of uh, the Ozzy list. You know, we did uh, the top ten Ozzy albums and then my favorite song off each album. A lot of response to that. Appreciate that. A lot of people like the idea that we're going to kind of revisit some of those lists and kind of put a different twist on it. Uh, going to come back that next week with another one. This week, we're, we're not. We're going to do a more modern rock band today. So, close the Blair. I've known Blair Chandler a long time. He's a great guy, got a great family, does a great job in a very difficult industry. Very difficult industry. The mortgage lending industry. A lot of regulations involved. There's a lot the casual consumer doesn't know. And you think, one day I want to buy a house, or one day I want to refinance this home, and I just don't know how to go about it. And so what I encourage you to do is lend on a guy that's got 21 years of experience in the industry. That's Blair Chandler. You can visit him at his website, closewithblair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Be sure and go check that out today. And here's the deal. If you mention to him that you've heard about him on the Boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. Get your equity working for you, whether you're looking to refinance today to perhaps pay off some debt kind of consolidate several payments down to one. That's smart because you also, uh, you know, that interest that you pay to those credit card companies is not tax deductible. What you pay on your mortgage is. Or maybe you're looking to do some home improvements. Blair can help you with all that, perhaps getting you some cash out, allowing you to beautify your property and then increase the property value at the same time. Be sure and check him out today, closewithblair.com. Let me give you his personal phone number just in case that you decided, hey, I want to text. I'm not going to remember the the, uh, the website address. 
It's uh, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Here's the deal. That's not an office phone. That's the phone that is riding around in, in Blair Chandler's pocket most of the time. So you can text him or call him directly rather than having to like go through a receptionist or, the, you know, there's, oh, well, do you know your party's extension? No, you're just going right to Blair. All right, so top 10 today. We're going uh, with a recent rock band that had a lineup change here a couple years ago, and they're still doing okay. Matter of fact, about to record, I believe, their seventh studio album. It's the man Hinder. You can say, well, Steve, I hadn't thought about Hinder in a long time. Hey, well, we're, I'm about to uh, reintroduce them to you. I like Hinder. I like Hinder an awful lot. I love them with Austin Winkler. Uh, Marshall Dutton was one of their producers. He is now their singer. He's done a good job, too. It's not the same. It's still pretty good. Uh, but nine of our ten are going to be from the Austin Winkler albums, which there were three of. Uh, but I, I dig the Hinder catalog. I think you guys know probably what number one is before we even do the list. But uh, let's run through it today. Hinder. Great, great, great band. Uh, number ten. This is, I guess, my one uh, deep track. My I love the deep tracks because I, I love listening to albums because here's what things that i don't think that you casual music fans you're like oh i love music steve <sighs> you love the fast food music stuff a lot of people do it's like well i heard this song on the radio or i saw this on tiktok or whatever and i like this song so the reason that bands release singles is in hopes for you but to buy the album like they release those as a sample so you say hey i like i want to hear more from these guys and so they don't want you to have this single-serving relationship with them. And so this this track is one of those deeper tracks uh, from the first album, one that I absolutely love, and it's called By The Way. Number 10 is By The Way from Hinder. Great chorus. Love the guitar on it, too. It's got a good groove to it. Number 9, this is one of those introspective songs. Um, you know, it's Hinder was a party band. They absolutely were. I guess maybe in some respects they, they are in some in some ways, but um, most of those guys now work in a program of recovery, most of them. But on the All-American Nightmare album, it's a great song, kind of about introspective. It's uh, what you're going to do. And the rest of that is what you're going to do when the whiskey ain't working no more. It's a question I had to ask myself. Uh, another song with some recovery uh, influence in it is number eight, and this is the long song on the countdown today that is not sung by Austin Winkler. Now, what's interesting about that is the original single that was released did have Austin Winkler singing it. And then when he left the band to go into rehab and ultimately left the band, they re-recorded the single and Marshall Dutton sang on it. And it's a song called Hit the Ground. And you've, you've heard the old adage, I'm sure, you know, falling feels just like flying until you hit the ground. That's kind of the chorus on this one. Uh, it's a great song. It's about chasing you know, riotous living and then kind of figuring it out. There are consequences for all that. I can attest to that firsthand. The reality of it is, is that, uh, man, life is a lot more fun when you're not medicated. You know, there were times in my life I didn't think that I could make it through life without having some assistance. Uh, but the reality of it is, is I have so much more fun today than I ever had, you know, when I was out there, you know, chasing some chemical dependency, you know, just the reality of life. You, know, you can only live that way for a short time. And I lived like a vampire for a while. And then uh, you know, the consequences from those decisions eventually catch up with me. And that's kind of what that song reminds me of. 
you know, there I was thinking I was flying and life was easy and great. I was living a very non-traditional lifestyle. And um, eventually I had to grow up. Had to sober up, clean up, kind of figure out what was next. And, uh, yeah, I I tell young people today when I go speak, it's like, you know, I thought I had it all figured out at 19 years old. I really did. Thought I had it all figured out. I was going to find a way to cheat life, and I was going to live on my terms, and all was going to be great. Then you find out that you can actually have life and life more abundantly, living life on life's terms. Doesn't mean you just got to get up and go punch a clock every day. You can go have some fun, too. I just have a different definition of fun. It's what the, uh, the years of recovery have taught me. But hit the ground is number eight. Number seven, and this is, again, one of these lover lament songs where, you know, I love you, but I'm not really the best for you. As a matter of fact, the name of the song is Better Than Me. You deserve much better than me. Great song. I like the vocal on it a lot. It's a very genuine song. And there are some songs that just kind of elicit emotion from me. This is kind of one of them. Number six, I'm not a big proponent of having songs in the top ten that uh, could be considered, you know, drug reference songs as a person that works a program of recovery. I got to make a bit of an exception here, even though I don't do this anymore. But the number six song is Get Stoned. That's pretty in your face. I mean, it's not, um, it's not one you look at and say, well, I wonder what he's talking about there. It's kind of obscure. He's kind of speaking in a cryptic language. No, no, he's in your face. Get Stoned. Number five, this is one of their better songs in my mind. I think this one, had the band been a little more stable and they'd had a little more backing from uh, their record company, I think this could have been a huge hit for them. I don't know that it got promoted enough, but it's uh, it's a song about cheating, and it's called uh, Thing For You. I got a thing for you. Great song, great vocal. Uh, a little bit risque, I guess you could say, in the lyrical content. And maybe maybe it's not typical of the life that you lead. That doesn't mean you can't enjoy the song. Just because you listen to a song doesn't mean you agree with every word in the song. You can just like the beat. Or you can like the guitar. Number four, a great rocker from their catalog. The title track off the third album. It's the All-American Nightmare. I love this one. I love, uh, it's, it's, a, it's about partying. It's what it is. You know, it's about, you know, living life to the fullest and, you know, without consequence and without any, you know, any concern for the future. It's definitely a live-in-the-moment song. All-American Nightmare. Number three, this is an interesting song, too. And I think at some point, everybody, whether they have heard this song or not, they have felt the emotions behind these lyrics. It's a song called Without You. And it's not a lover's lament song. Basically, it's about, hey, I broke up with you, and then everything in life got better. It's like, without you, you know, I, I live it up a little more every day. You know, every day that I don't have you, life gets a little bit better. You know, I found somebody else. I, found, I would have never known love, you know, had it not been living life without you. So it's a, it's a very interesting take on a very familiar emotion. And maybe we have not been able to articulate it ourselves. But I think you can find some commonality with the writer in this one, without you, number three. Now, now we're down to the end, of the final two. And I think most people would agree these are the top two. Number two for me was the, uh, the lead single, off uh, Take It to the Limit. Uh, you know, Extreme Behavior was album number one, Take It to the Limit, number two. The, the, the first single on that one is another banger. It's a club hit. It's let's get our hands above our heads and everybody clap along. 
And the name of the song is Use Me. She's going to use me, and I like it. But the guitar on this one is a, is great. This is one of those real rocking songs. I think you'll dig it if you're unfamiliar. But, of course, number one is a song that made them famous. It led to extreme behavior going four times platinum in the United States. It's pretty remarkable. The only platinum album in their catalog, um, Take It to the Limit, went gold in America. All-American Nightmare kind of flirted with that. But uh, the strength of the song, Lips of an Angel. And again, it's a cheating song. So I don't know what uh, Austin Winkler was dealing with at the time, you know, but he wrote a lot of songs about cheating. This is a guy who was, you know, went to rehab a lot too, so he had a lot, of, a lot of unresolved issues. But Lips of an Angel is a beautiful song. It's just kind of about a forbidden love. You know, it's about a guy and a girl, they break up, they move on there with other people, but uh, they really haven't moved on. And, and that's part of the lyrical content of the song. It's, and so they've reconnected and the girl calls and it's like, hey, you know, does he know you're talking to me? Will it start a fight? It's a great song. Whether, whether you're cheating or not, you can appreciate the song. It's great. And I know there are a lot of people, well, why do you always listen to that song? You know, it's a good song. Just because I like a song doesn't mean it's the soundtrack of my life. You know, so be sure and check that out. Lips of an Angel. That's your top 10 hinder tracks. We hadn't done that one. I was thinking yesterday, there's some great bands out there I hadn't touched on yet. This is one of the more... Uh, successful modern rock bands has kind of faded a little bit in in recent years but uh, the reality of it is at some point everybody was bumping hinder at least lips of an angel you were but there are a lot more songs in that catalog i think you'll really enjoy uh, so there you go the top 10 hinder songs on today's top 10 list if you have ideas for top 10 lists reach out and let me know be happy to knock that out for you we've got uh again we're going to revisit a classic rock band uh next week on monday you know, somebody that you're very familiar with and uh, go through the top 10 albums. And this, this band uh, has more than 10 albums. So looking forward to that. A, probably and arguably, I'll give you a hint here. Probably America's greatest rock band. How about that? We'll do them on Monday. Remind you guys too, you know, I, I get a lot of compliments on uh, my choice of cologne. I have been with Hawthorne now for a few years and uh, I don't wear anything but Hawthorne. It is exclusive to me. And here's the deal. Even when they weren't sponsoring the show, I still used Hawthorne products because I like the way it makes me smell. Simple as that. Go check their easy-to-use quiz out today. They are a premium men's grooming brand that makes it quick and easy to be your best with confidence, whether it be skin care, hair care, whatever. It's tailor-made just for you. They use data from hundreds of thousands of customers to recommend the perfect products for your unique body chemistry, skin type, hair type, and lifestyle. Lean on Hawthorne to upgrade your game when it comes to body wash, shampoo, and deodorant. Let them recommend a face cleanser and moisturizer that even elevates your personal appearance. Of course, they perfected the process to find the perfect cologne. It is fabulous. It makes you feel best about yourself. Nothing better than walking into a room with confidence, knowing that you're looking great and smelling great. Take that Hawthorne quiz. Very, very easy to do. Some, uh, yeah, ask you about what kind of drinks you like, what kind of foods you like. They find your preferences and then blend a formula of cologne specific for you. Because not all cologne is one size fits all. You say, well, you so-and-so, not everything works well with your body chemistry. Hawthorne will. Get ready for whatever's coming your way with Hawthorne at your side. <clears throat> Take that quiz at Hawthorne.com. That's H, excuse me, Hawthorne.co. H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. 
and use promo code Boneyard to get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E-N-E dot C-O, promo code Boneyard. One more time, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O, not dot com, C-O. Be sure and check that out today and use promo code Boneyard. Let them know that we sent you. All right, let's, uh, let's take a look here real quickly at the men's SEC tournament. That gets underway today uh, down in Tampa, Florida. Going to be an interesting tournament. I mean, a very interesting tournament because uh, I think anybody, just about anybody can win it. You look at it and say, you know, hey, it's a good league this year. I think it's a good league. I don't know if it's a great league this year. But I think there's a lot of parity, and there could be probably half a dozen teams, if they get hot, that could win this thing. I don't think there's any question. Pretty exciting stuff. Now, everything will get underway today. Uh, There are two games tonight. So you can watch the Bulldogs this afternoon. Then you can watch a couple of SEC men's tournament basketball games. Ole Miss will play Missouri. That is at 5 p.m. Eastern. And then Georgia will take on Vanderbilt. So those are your 11-14, 12-13 games. The fun gets underway for Mississippi State uh, tomorrow. A very busy day of tournament action gets underway at 11 a.m. So full day. And this is a great time of year. Those of us that love college basketball uh, enjoy the conference tournaments. And there just seems to be some majesty with all of this. You know what I mean? It's like there's these huge moments that uh, become – you know, memories that last a lifetime. Just like, you know, when Jamont Gordon hit the big three against Kentucky. You know, there's always these moments that kind of stand out, you know, kind of in hindsight. So, you know what, I remember when that happened. I was there when it happened, or I was with friends, and I saw it happen. You know, of course, Mississippi State won it, you know, several years ago uh, against Tennessee to go to the tournament. We're going to have to win the tournament this year, the conference tournament to go. I am not expecting that to happen. But when you look at the the bracket, you know, State actually you know, could, might win a game or maybe two if they get hot. But uh, the 11 a.m. game tomorrow is Florida and A&M. I like Florida in the game. Even though A&M played us pretty good over the weekend, I think Florida athletically, you know, really has a uh, an advantage here. So we'll see, especially in the post. LSU will play the winner of Ole Miss-Missouri. The way Missouri's playing right now, I think I like Missouri. You know, Ole Miss not good at sports, uh, especially men's basketball. But they're capable of beating Missouri. Missouri, the worst team uh, in the league in many respects, 11-20. and 20. Had it not been for, uh, you know, for Georgia, I don't know that anybody would have had a worse record in the conference, except for Ole Miss. Ole Miss 4-14 and 14 in the league this year. Uh, one of those wins over us. Still, uh, still a burr in the Bulldog saddle, the fact that we lost that ball game. And, of course, Mississippi State tomorrow night. That's your early evening game. Mississippi State against South Carolina. The two teams split earlier this year both winning on their home court. Uh, We absolutely dominated them in Humphrey Coliseum. They made a late run late to make the score a little more respectable, but there was never any doubt about who was going to win that game. And then we go to their place, and they play us really well. They're trending in the right direction in many respects. So that could be an interesting ballgame. Can we win it? Absolutely we can. Will we win it? That remains to be seen. Alabama, the nightcap, they will play the winner of the Georgia-Vanderbilt game. I suspect that that will be Vanderbilt. I suspect. Alabama, one of those teams, too, that I believe is capable of winning this tournament. They're a team that has the ability on any given night, when they're hitting from beyond the arc, they can beat anybody in America. 
including Auburn. Even though they struggled a couple times against Auburn this year, this is a team on a neutral floor that could get hot and win the entire tournament. Your top four seeds that get the double bye, Auburn the one seed, Tennessee the two seed, Kentucky the three, Arkansas the four. This Arkansas team, awfully fun to watch. Awfully fun to watch. I don't think there's any question. Arkansas and really any of those teams capable of winning this thing. I don't really like LSU. I don't think LSU uh, has a really good um, makeup as a, as a basketball team. And they're really good in the PMAC. I don't know how good they'll be on neutral floor. And their their bracket, pretty difficult. Would have to take down, you know, of course, the winner of the 12-13 Ole Miss-Missouri game. They should win that one handily. And then they would take on Arkansas. Should they win that, they would then play Auburn in the semis. That's a tough chore. Auburn, Arkansas, two of the more athletic teams in the league. Mississippi State side of the bracket, we avoid that. We do get Tennessee. If, if we beat South Carolina, we would play Tennessee in the 6 p.m. nightcap on Friday. Pretty interesting, right? Tennessee, a team, too, that, uh, you know, we went up there and actually played those guys pretty well. In the event we win that, we would play the winner, likely, of Kentucky, Alabama. We split with Alabama, took Kentucky to overtime. And so, is it possible that State could go on a little uh, three-game run here and get to the finals? Well, yeah, it's possible. It's not probable, but it's certainly possible. But uh, interesting field this year. I think tomorrow will be a really fun day of college basketball. Matter of fact, I will, I will put that on at 11 a.m. and probably not turn it off until midnight. Pretty exciting times if you like college basketball. And there's a lot of other things going on. You know, there's a lot of things that are still happening, you know, outside of, uh, of basketball, you know, on, on, on the, off the court, shall we say. But, uh, again, we'll, we'll get it all underway tonight, and then we'll crown an SEC tournament champion and award the automatic qualifier to a team on Sunday. And Mississippi State needs it to be them. I just, you know, again, I don't see it happening. And we've had several opportunities, you know, this year to kind of distinguish ourselves as a team that could make the tournament. Now 17 and 14 overall, 8 and 10 uh, in the league. And, again, I think the top half of the league is really, really good. I, I think this is probably a, what, seven-bid league. I think that's what the latest projections are. But you've probably got a really chance, you know, a good chance here for six teams, I think, getting in and winning a game or two in the tournament and I think there are a couple teams that are capable of getting to the Final Four. I think any of our four seeds could get to the Final Four. I think Alabama could get to the Final Four if they're hot. You know, they're going to have to hit from outside. They just don't have enough there in the half-court offense, I don't think, to really uh, you know, to distinguish themselves as a team worthy of getting uh, to the final weekend of the big dance. But uh, could Kentucky do it? Well, of course. Could Tennessee? Well, yes, they could. Rick Barnes, one of the best coaches in all college basketball. This Arkansas team, though, just has some mojo. There's just something about Musselman's team, you know, athletically that they, they match up so well, and then they stress you on the perimeter. I mean, you've really, really, really got to do a good job breaking those guys down defensively. And then, of course, Auburn, you know, a team that's uh, you know, the, the regular season SEC champion and have been number one in times this year, 27-4 and four overall, showed a little vulnerability down the stretch. If the Auburn doesn't win the tournament, I won't be surprised. If they don't win the SEC tournament, I will not be surprised. I do think they're a team, however, that will do exceptionally well in the NCAA uh, tournament. 
A lot of people have said, Steve, well, what if Mississippi State gets an NIT bid? I don't think there's much danger of that happening. You know, maybe a state makes it all the way to the finals, perhaps, maybe. Would we turn the bid down? That's a question that nobody can answer just yet. I don't know. You know, do you belabor the process? I mean, if you don't make the tournament, I don't know that what else really matters. Everything else is just kind of details. And so I don't know that we benefit anything from playing in the NIT when most of these players won't be back next year, and those who do will likely be playing, uh, you know, for another coach. Let's thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart. Uh, really like those folks. I'll be by there shortly. I'm going up there. Some of you have ordered some personalized books through Stand to Man and Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie. I'm going to go up there and sign those books for you. They need some signed stock as well with so many of you coming to town for the Princeton series. So I'm going to run by there and sign books today. Uh, you need to order from them too. You know, if you need to buy Mississippi State merch, there's no better place to go than Campus Bookmart. I really like Campus Bookmart. You will too. I had many people that have said, Steve, I had never been in there until they began, you know, sponsoring, you know, your show. And uh, I love the, the, the hometown feel of the place and I, and I do too I think it's absolutely fabulous you can go in there and you feel like that these people have known you forever it's because they've shared this you know this Mississippi State journey with us uh, for some time so be sure and go check those guys out and if you can't visit them in person check them out on the world wide web at campusbookmart.net promo code BSR will get you free shipping on all orders over $50 and well, how do I remember the code well it's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, yesterday the Southeastern Conference awarded its men's basketball awards. And uh, Mississippi State did get a mention, despite the fact that we've had a bit of a disappointing season. I don't know that we could argue against that. But uh, they don't do, you know, I guess first team years ago, it was like, you, know, you pick the starting five and then a six-man or whatever. Uh, now they award a lot of people, you know, first-team and second-team honors, and I guess there's, that's okay too. Uh, but here is the release from the league. Uh, Bruce Pearl is the SEC Coach of the Year. Kentucky's Oscar Tashibi, who I think could arguably be the best team player in the country, was the SEC Player of the Year. I think that is a very, very easy decision uh, Vanderbilt's George Wright named the SEC Scholar-Athlete of the Year. Congratulations. And Auburn's Jabari Smith was tabbed as the SEC Freshman of the Year. I don't think you have to worry, though, about Jabari. Well, we got three more years of this. No, we don't. Jabari Smith will be a one-and-done. Auburn's Walker Kessler was named the Defensive Player of the Year. And LSU's uh, Tari Eason was named the SEC Six-Man of the Year. Tari Eason there, excuse me. Uh, first team and second team, all SEC honorees. And, again, there is a uh, you know, pretty – Pretty lengthy list here. Uh, but let's kind of run through this. And these, these were selected by the coaches. Uh, JT Note of Arkansas, first team. Jalen Williams from Arkansas, also first team. I like the Jalen Williams kid a lot. I really do. He killed us. He absolutely killed us in Fayetteville. Walker Kessler, of course. Jabari Smith. Oscar Deshibi. Uh, Tari Eason. And then Iverson Molinar from Mississippi State. Named first team All-SEC by the league's coaches. A very, very nice um, honor for him. Santiago Vascova uh, from Tennessee, and Scottie Pippen Jr. Scottie Pippen Jr. probably going to be a guy in today's NBA that makes some cool things happen. Second team, Jaden Shackelford from Alabama, Colin Castleton from Florida. Castleton obviously is very significant for Florida. Uh, Tata Washington Jr. from Kentucky. Uh, Shavir Wheeler 
from Kentucky, Darius Day from LSU, Kobe Brown, Mizzou, Kennedy Chandler from Tennessee, and Quentin Jackson uh, from Texas A&M. And as you notice, nobody from uh, Ole Miss is noted. All-freshman team, uh, Charles Bediaco from Alabama, JT Davison from Alabama, Jabari Smith, of course, from Auburn, Tata Washington from Kentucky, who is likely a one-and-done as well, Brandon Murray from LSU, Devin Carter from South Carolina, Kennedy Chandler from Tennessee was listed, uh, of course, as a second-team All-SEC guy and All-Freshman. And then uh, Zaki Ziegler from Tennessee. All-defensive team, Keon Ellis from Alabama, Jalen Williams from Arkansas, Walker Kessler from Auburn, Oscar Toshiba, Toshiba, excuse me, from Kentucky, and then Zaki Ziegler from Tennessee. Uh, so an interesting list, and we are uh, mentioned there, a handful of other teams not mentioned, and uh, which kind of brokered an interesting conversation over on the jeanspage.com message boards. You know, people said, hey, if Ole Miss elects to fire Kermit Davis, are we on the same level as a job? And the answer to that question is no. Mississippi State is a better job. You can say, but Steve, no, you're just saying it because you're a state homer. No, I'm not saying that. I am a state homer, but the reality of it is, is if they hire a new coach, I don't think it interferes with our search at all. And I thought, and I don't remember who posted this. I thought it was a tremendous, a tremendous point. Uh, somebody on Gene's page mentioned, well, when Mississippi State's last job opening was done, we hired a guy with three Final Fours, and Ole Miss hired a former Mississippi State player that uh, had some success in the G5 level. And so if you look at that, you say, well, that makes sense. Mississippi State was able to attract a better coach, even though uh, we've only got the one NCAA tournament uh, experience to kind of boast about. Uh, It's not really been, you know, a a barn-burning type of event there at Ole Miss over the years in uh, basketball. And let's take a quick look, too. I think it's important. I think sometimes our fans just kind of – they get caught up in the social media talking points of, of rival fans and we don't look at the reality of the situation. All right, Mississippi State, Ben Allen, of course, been there for seven years. Uh, we've been to the Final Four, obviously. We've been to the Elite Eight, been to the Sweet 16 three times, been to the Round of 32, which means that we've won a game six times. And that's one of the things that's got to improve. we got to find a way to get out of the first weekend. Uh, we've been to the NCAA tournament, you know, you know, several times. You're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. It's not enough, but we've been 11 times. Uh, hadn't been a lot recently. We used to be in the 2000s from the Stansbury era, that decade from 2000 to 2009. You know, over half of our appearances are there. You know, six six of our ten appearances uh, happened under Rick Stansbury. We were the NIT runner-up last year. We've won the conference tournament championship uh, four times. And then we've won the regular season championship, uh, you know, what is this, five, eight, tw- ten times? Uh, and, of course, the Bailey Howell years and the Babe McCarthy years, awfully good. You know, our we only have two in the modern era, of course, 91 and 2004. That's the year of the Road Warriors. And so, yeah, not exceptional, certainly not a blue blood by any stretch. Uh, but we have had, you know, some sense of tradition. And I think when you look at that and you say, you know what, you can win at Mississippi State. Let's look at Ole Miss here. Let's look at their postseason resume. Let's look at I mean, what their history looks like. They have made the Sweet 16 once. They have never made the Elite Eight. They have never made the Final Four. They have won a game in the NCAA tournament just three times. They have appeared in the tournament, uh, what is it, nine times? And they've won the conference tournament championship 
twice. They have never won the SEC in men's basketball. Never at any point. They've never won the tournament. They've never won, excuse me, they never won a regular season. They have won the conference tournament championship twice back in 81 and 2013. My mistake. So two SEC tournament championships is really the only SEC hardware they have to uh, you have to show Andy Kennedy, of course, uh, wins it back in 13. But the uh, reality of it is Mississippi State has been a better job and remains a better job. And then people say, well, there's the pavilion. Well, we're fixing to get ready to renovate the Humphrey Coliseum. And the pavilion, while it is a much better facility than the old uh, sad pad they had, the Tad Smith Coliseum, that it, which I think is the only – uh, arena in the modern southeastern conference to have games delayed or canceled because of a rain delay i mean that's an embarrassment and so it's like all of a sudden you get a place that doesn't have a leaky roof and you think you know you've, you've got cameron indoor or a rough arena you don't uh, but mississippi state obviously i believe mississippi state in a much better situation and say well you know keith carter was a basketball coach you know that makes it a better job i don't know that i agree with that i, I would agree maybe on the the baseball side of things you know, if you have a – because baseball is a, a program at time that's, that struggles for funding. You know, your men's basketball program and your football program are always going to be well-funded. You know, those are revenue-producing sports for just about every school. Baseball is a revenue-producing sport for Mississippi State. So, I do think even if Ole Miss fires Kermit Davis, I don't expect that to happen. And I don't know that it's a good year uh, for, for those guys to be looking for a coach at the same time as Mississippi State. I believe Mississippi State will be looking for a head coach, and I think it's just a matter of when Mississippi State is eliminated uh, from the SEC tournament. Uh, and so people begin to ask, you know, well, Steve, what happens if Mississippi State and Ben Howland wins the SEC tournament? Well, I think you've got to revisit the situation. But I think it's just putting it off a year. It's kind of like the Dennis Felton thing several years ago. You know, Dennis Felton was at the University of Georgia, and everybody knew that he was embattled and, uh, you know, coaching for his job and then they beat Mississippi State and ultimately win the SEC tournament and go to the NCAA tournament and they have to keep him for another year I think it's a similar situation but I think in the event that unlikely scenario unfolds it's going to end the same way just my opinion let's thank our friends at Portico really like Portico like Brooks Bryan Uh, matter of fact I will be um, with some of their good friends on Thursday evening Thursday evening, I will be at Red Circle uh, there in uh, Richland. Be sure and go check us out there. And uh, matter, matter of fact, let me give you the quick schedule. Of course, tonight, the farm in Ruval from 5 to 8-ish. Thursday, Red Square in Ridgeland from 3 to 7. Friday, I'm at Mossy Oak in West Point for the first time, 2 to 4. And then 10 to 2.30, uh, 10 to 12.30, excuse me, Saturday, I will leave, you know, in time to make the game on Saturday. So that's your schedule. But again, I'll be with uh, – Brooks will probably make an appearance at Red Circle Thursday night, I would suspect. I, that's that's He should. He should. Uh, Brooks is working hard with a great group of folks to bring this great residential development named Portico to Starkville. A lot of people already living there and loving life. Living life 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. That's a cool place to live. You're so close to the action, but you're far enough away to have a little privacy. It's home. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Phase one completely sold out, working on phase two now. Very easy to get to. You turn off of 82 on a 12. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. That'll take you to Portico. And again, just 1.1 miles from God's country, the Mississippi State campus. 
you probably will get like uh, some angels that fly over from time to time again. You know, sometimes they kind of de- de- decorate themselves as crows, but uh, you may see like some angelic events living that close to the Mississippi State campus. Uh, Brooks is here to help you if you have questions. Many of you have thought, you know, one day I want to move back to Starkville. Maybe I want to retire there. Maybe we have a place there. A lot of people like to say, oh, we have a place in Starkville. You too could have a place in Starkville. Uh, Give Brooks a call or text today at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. If I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. Absolutely. I live out here in the sticks. I like it here. But, man, there are a lot of days I wish I was closer to campus. I really do. And you could be right there around all the fun and as much fun as you want, but also to be far enough away to have a little privacy and some quiet time there at Portico. Make it your next move. Okay, we talked, kind of touched on a lot of things that are going on uh, in men's basketball that are not necessarily related to what's happening on the court. You know, we do believe that there is a, just a matter of time before there's a coaching change in Mississippi State. Uh, Paul Jones and I and others will be kind of keeping you abreast of what we have heard as of late on the men's coaching search. Once that becomes official, we'll have a hot board fired up and ready to go. Uh, excited to kind of have those things together for you guys. You know, ultimately, we want Mississippi State to win. We're never rooting for a coaching change, despite what people may think. We're rooting for Mississippi State. And sometimes coaching changes are part of the, bu- the business. It's part of the industry. Uh, but Mississippi State, not alone. Now, it's going to be one of those deals, too, where there are a lot of people out there uh, within our league that are making a decision to kind of move on or debating that. Tom Crean from Georgia is done. We expected that to happen. I mean, everybody saw the record this year. He's finished. And uh, it's done. When basketball season's over, they're done, which is probably tonight. And, and that's the thing, too, I think about, too, with Georgia. They, you know, they're, they're a team, too, that outside of football, are, they largely – underachieve and I think when they hired Tom Crane everybody had these high expectations and just just hadn't worked out and Tom Crane just wants to go out there and work on his kids and try to go win a game so Georgia now officially in the coaching market Uh, then there is the situation in South Carolina now I don't know if you know this uh, there are some factors kind of behind the scenes I think that um probably work in Frank Martin's favor. I know they're kind of just tired of being okay. Um, you know, it's one of those things, too, when you begin to think about, you know, what's what's the future look like for Frank Martin? I like Frank Martin. I think Frank Martin is a tough-nosed coach. If Frank was here, I think it would be easy for our fans to get behind him. But uh, they're very similar to Mississippi State in some respects that uh, he just doesn't win enough. There is uh, a couple things, though, that are kind of out there that, um, you know, it's pretty crazy to think about that South Carolina and North Carolina are both, uh, you know, working through a recruiting battle that could really have some influence with Gigi Jackson. You know, Gigi Jackson considered the, um, you know, the number one prospect by many in college basketball for the 2023 class. And South Carolina is very much in the thick of that. They believe that they have a real opportunity to land him. Now, if they change coaches, there's a lot of discussion that South Carolina is no longer part of the deliberations. 
interesting to think about, right? And so when you're making that decision, you've got a 6'8", 210 power forward from Columbia, South Carolina that loves Frank Martin, that loves Gamecock basketball. And then here they are basically in the top three, Duke, UNC, and South Carolina. So G.G. Jackson, a lot of people believe, is one of the best players on either side to come out of South Carolina a long time that could be a program-changing type player, that that he would be a guy that would bring players with him uh, to Columbia. A lot of people are saying that if Frank Martin stays, G.G. Jackson's going to go to South Carolina. And you know what? If he does, good for him. It's a guy from Columbia, grew up going to games there, gets a chance to play for his favorite school, could go to anywhere in the country and says, you know what, I'm going to go where my heart is. But if Frank Martin's not there, he's probably headed to North Carolina. And, and again, it's not like a football prospect or even, for that matter, a baseball prospect. You know, one player can change the trajectory of your program, especially when it's the number one player in the country. So that's something to think about, too. So I also think that Frank Martin and them are probably okay this year. I don't think they make a change. They, they could, but I think you also kind of take your, yourselves out of the running for getting what could be considered a generational talent from your home city. What's going to happen at LSU? You know, Pat Forty reported yesterday that the NCAA has delivered their long-awaited notice of allegations uh, to LSU. Now, one of the things that I have learned, and I lived among these fine folks for 16 years, so I feel like that I can say this with some authority, uh, there are a lot of people involved with LSU, whether they be fans or administrators or whatever, they always think that they're kind of above approach. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to take place. They thought all this was going to go away. There are many people within the fan base that even doubt that there's been a notice of allegations delivered. LSU, of course, is kind of refusing to confirm that news. Uh, I'll tell you, Pat Forty is a guy that uh, usually when he reports this kind of stuff, I kind of raise an eyebrow because I, I feel like Pat is pretty well sourced on this stuff. And so if LSU finally has a notice of allegations, that is very significant. If you recall, you know, Will Wade was suspended from the SEC tournament a couple of years once the, the, the things made the rounds about the wiretap investigation. And he assigned an amended buyout, an amended contract to return to work. And if, if I remember correctly, you know, one of the situations involved there was if he was charged or found guilty, maybe not charged, maybe if he's found guilty of an NCAA violation, then LSU can walk away. I think that's correct. And so now that they have the notice of allegations in hand right here as we get ready for March Madness, well, they know if he's been charged. They don't know if he's going to be, if those allegations are ultimately upheld. But they probably know enough of the evidence themselves through their own you know, defense, what the NCAA has. And so that could get awfully interesting, too. Is LSU a better basketball job than Mississippi State? It absolutely is. And here's the thing that I would suggest, though. Uh, Scott Woodard, it, it, I'm a fan. Uh, if you haven't noticed, Scott Woodard is a guy that breaks the bank and believes that he should go out and go big game hunting. And that's exactly what he's done. Just look at his last three hires. He goes out and gets Jay Johnson from Arizona, one of the best coaches in college baseball, lures him to LSU. And you know what? Had there not been some other issues that came up in the uh, 
situation with Kevin O'Sullivan, they'd have gotten him from Florida. So Scott's a guy that's going to swing for the fences, pardon the pun. And then, then he goes out and gets you know, Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. And then he gets Kim Mulkey from Baylor, a national championship coach. And so, you know, Woodard is a guy that is going to swing for the absolute fences. And I don't know that we're going to be competing head-to-head with them. I think Scott Woodard's a guy that's like, I'm going to go get somebody else's power five sitting coach. I'm going to go get somebody that is not only going to maintain what we have, but increase our profile as a program. I think Scott Woodard's a great athletic director. And so as a result, I don't think that we're going to be competing with them you know, for a lot of candidates, should that job open up. I think that he's a guy that, you know, maybe goes out and gets, you know, somebody that you're least expecting. I mean, who thought he would pull Kim Mulkey? The Jay Johnson thing makes a lot of sense to me. Oh, she was a premium job. You know, Baylor, women's basketball, a better job. And Scott Woodard's like, no, we're going to make this a better job than what you had at Baylor. We give you a chance to come home. We're going to give you the resources you need. You know, Kim Mulkey could have said, you know what, I don't, I don't need you guys. I can sit over here in, at Baylor and, and keep putting together great teams and competing for national championships without you. So she kind of held the cards, and then Scott Woodard uh, got her to Baton Rouge. And they're doing a great job this year, in year one. So I think that is important to understand that I don't know that us and LSU are fishing in the same ponds. Maybe we should be, but I don't think we are. What's going to happen with Missouri? That's interesting. You know, there were a lot of people mid, you know, mid-season is today. This, you know, Missouri's absolutely going to, um, you know, make a change here. And uh, I don't know that that's going to be the case. You know, we'll see. I, I think, you know, they're obviously, uh, they're obviously going to be uh, a team that um, has underachieved this year. I mean, they're one of the worst teams in the league. You know, there was some discussion earlier this year that they were absolutely going to make a change. And, um, yeah, I guess we'll see. You know, I I guess we'll see how things go with that. Um, You know, Missouri, a pretty proud basketball program. And a lot of people would say, well, you know, Steve, you know, it's probably a better basketball job than ours. I don't know that I agree. I think it's probably on par. And they're probably going to go out and chase some folks that, um, you know, chase – some candidates out there that have some connections. Uh, and so, Quanzo Martin was a guy last year that people wanted fired. He, they'd had to pay a huge buyout in order to get it, get it done. Um, I think in excess of $6 million. But I don't think that the – I think in the end, that job probably boils down to, you know, how well you do uh, as an athletic director and as a search committee painting your program. And so I think State and Missouri would likely be competing for some coaches on the same level. What happens at Florida? I think Mike White's probably okay. I think Florida may end up making the tournament. They, they, uh, they need some wins, obviously, in Tampa. A couple wins wouldn't hurt things for them, but uh, they're a team that's turned in the right direction. And, and let's say, for an example, if Mike White sees a situation where perhaps that uh, – you know, he's on the way out. You know, maybe he and his buddy Keith Carter are like, hey, let me just come home. And I think Ole Miss people would love to have Michael White. I think they certainly would. It, it hadn't been what they hoped it would be at Florida, but it hadn't been terrible either. A guy can coach in basketball. And he also knows what it takes to win at Ole Miss. And so I think that their, their fans would get behind that. But 
probably a good chance Mike hangs on to his job. I just don't know. You know, it's one of those situations, too, how satisfied Scott Strickland's going to be, you know, with the job that they've done at Florida. You know, you, one could argue, you know, you know the, their top post guy has been, you know, out a lot, you know, down the stretch. But they're still a team that could make the tournament. I think if they make the tournament, he absolutely stays. I don't think there's any question. And so, you know, you look around this league and you start thinking, you know, who are we going to be competing against? Because it's never just about, you know, what, what we've got going on. You know, you have to think about what's, what's the landscape look like out there when it comes to coaches. Who is going to be at our level? Who is going to be interviewing, uh, you know, the same coaches that we are? Who's going to be pursuing them? Does that drive up a bidding war? Those are the things you think about. I don't, you know, Georgia, you know, I think Georgia, the fact that they've already made the move and removed any possibility tells me they probably feel like they're close with somebody. Maybe. You know, we'll kind of see how things progress. But I, I think it's going to be a busy few days when it comes to the coaching wire. Of course, uh, you know, just kind of looking at all these things. You know, Georgia's already made the change. We don't expect Ole Miss to make a change, but it, I wouldn't completely rule that out. I do think we see Missouri make a change. Vanderbilt will not. I, I think Mississippi State makes a change. And I think Florida is in we'll-see we'll mode. And then A&M, I don't think there's a change there. And then LSU, of course, uh, if there is some issues there in that NCAA notice of allegations that involve Will Wade, it could get a little dicey there. So I think we're about to push ahead with all of this and kind of be ready to, to begin to wrap up a coaching search sooner rather than later. I don't think this will be a situation where we don't know what's going on. I think that we will probably not name a candidate, though, until the, his team is eliminated. Even though there will be some rumors that leak out, their agents are always talking, and there will be reps from other schools, like the, the departing school, their people will be having their feelers out saying, hey, we're about to have a coaching change as our coach is leaving for Mississippi State. So there will be rumors out there. We'll do our best to kind of get them confirmed over there for you at jeanspage.com. Uh, but, yeah, we're about to be – involved in a pretty interesting week one way or another. Either Mississippi State's going to make a great run in the SEC tournament or we're about to announce a coaching change. It's as simple as that. Either way, business on the men's basketball side for Mississippi State's about to pick up. Either way. So we'll, we'll see how things progress. But I, I would really watch this LSU thing with uh, the notice of allegations. Even though I don't think it has a lot of impact on us and our potential search, I think that could be something that is very significant. You know, and people think about, well, they had the football stuff. And, well, what evidence do they have? Remember, let's not forget that in 2020, LSU took a bowl ban for football. Did you remember that? Or had you already forgotten that? They would not have taken a bowl ban for football, even in 2020, if they did not have evidence that there were some supporting statements or evidence to uphold allegations for football. And the fact that the NCAA has not agreed to sever the cases tells me they're going for a lack of institutional control charge. And I believe they will absolutely get it. And you got the head coach on a federal wiretap talking about an offer for a kid in basketball. And you look at all the other stuff that's going on there, the Department of Education investigation, Title IX investigation. Of course, those things did not fall under the purview of the NCAA, but they probably should. You know, the fact that the LSU's notice of allegations um, is in hand 
you know, suggests to me that uh, we're about to see some resolution. Now, there will be somebody somewhere will get that notice of allegations. It won't be me. You know, I've, I've already paved the path for others that want to follow me. If they, people want to call me and say, hey, Steve, what can I do? Well, here's what you do, you know. Uh, but at some point, they'll make that public, and I'm sure LSU will share some of that when it is self-serving. But uh, LSU folks are kind of like the mafia. You know, it's just like everybody jumps to the defense of the university, even if they don't know the talking points. And you can see that on message boards and say, so, oh, there's nothing to this. If there wasn't anything to it, then your university has wasted millions of dollars mounting a defense. If there wasn't anything to it, uh, then the NCAA would allow you to sever those cases, and they haven't done that. And so, and, and again, I think there's a part of this that uh, when I think back about the Ed Orgeron buyout, I think that was very intelligent by LSU. You know, they could have fired him. They could have probably put some charges together and fired him for cause and probably had to litigate that for years ahead. You go ahead and write the check to Ed, and you get him behind you. And then, of course, at this point, he is no longer under the supervision of the NCAA. So he no longer has the duty to cooperate with the NCAA. So anything that Ed knows, you can't get unless he volunteers it. And why would he agree to participate? He won an Apple championship. He won his final game. He got a huge check. He can retire never have to work again a day in his life. Why in the world would he want to be involved in an NCAA investigation? He never has to return their phone calls. It's pretty smart, I think. It's a pretty savvy move, even though it's going to be very expensive. You pay the guy, you get him done, you keep him in somewhat in your debt. And I'm sure there's probably some non-disparagement language in that separation agreement. But when you think about all the, the things that LSU, the turmoil that LSU is dealing with right now, you know, the Title IX stuff and, uh, you know, the NCAA stuff, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, a guy that could probably be a bit of a, a Bolshevik is still on the payroll in some respects. So it's a pretty savvy move. I think it's a gangster move. And, uh, again, you can be a prisoner of the moment and think, uh, we're not giving that Orgeron a dime. Let's find a way to get rid of him with all this Title IX stuff, and he should have been more aware or whatever. And then all of a sudden you take a guy that could be an ally and make him an enemy. But instead you pay him. And sometimes you got to write checks in the world uh, to kind of you know, beat back drama. And I think that's what they did, and I think it makes perfect sense. But I think this LSU case is going to be uh, rather significant. Will there be major sanctions? Don't know. We haven't seen the allegations. Uh, but I think Will Wade has kind of been the poster child for this wiretap thing because people like me and you continue to bring it up. It's like, well, all this going on there, and there's Will Wade down there still has a job. In some respects, I think it's a little bit of an uh, embarrassment to the league that he does. When you look at their other coaches that were involved in the same thing and they were terminated, and then LSU keeps them. Now, I think LSU's kind of got like this, you know, put-up-or-shut-up mentality when it comes to the NCAA. But uh, the fact that they kept Will Wade on, it's going to depend on what they knew and when they knew it. I think that is something that may come back to, to bite them a little bit. Uh, they don't look repentant. When you keep the guy that was caught on tape – when you keep him and he's still out there kind of working and acting with impunity, I don't know that that curries you any favor with the NCAA Committee on Infractions. It's just my opinion. But there we go. We've covered a lot of ground today. We'll be back on Friday, kind of hopefully recapping uh, another Bulldog win and uh, previewing the, the series at Princeton. Of course, we'll have some SEC basketball tournament stuff to talk about. It's a real busy time of the year. But all that's about to end for us. And then we'll get an opportunity to watch some March Madness and cheer for a bunch of uh, – 
you know, G5 teams that we don't really care about except for the fact they're in the tournament and they're an underdog, and we want chaos. We want madness in March. There's no doubt about it. Uh, look forward to you guys uh, being around. And, again, I've told you guys the schedule. If you're looking for books, go to dogpiledabook.com. Uh, a few left. And uh, I share with you guys, too, there's about 200 copies of Stark Villain still in print. That's it. And uh, may do another printing next year. But if you have kind of put off buying Stark Villains, you don't need to do that very much longer. You can find that at the dogpiledabook.com website. Uh, and you can find them in some bookstores, too. But uh, probably the only thing that we see printed the rest of the year with my name on it is going to be Dogpile. There'll be, we've got another printing coming in next month. There'll be another one in time for the fall and the holidays. But that's probably the only books of mine that get printed this year unless you order, uh, you know, Blooms of Oleander from uh, Amazon or something, and they, they print on demand. But uh, the reality of it is if you have put off buying Stark Villains, you need to adjust the course today. If you want that book, you need to get it now because you may not be able to get it after this. Once it goes out of print, I don't know if we'll reprint it. We'll probably maybe do a short run next year, uh, but no guarantee. So I know a lot of people have reached out and said, Steve, I read Flim Flam and I read Dogpile. I haven't read your other books. Well, Dogpile will remain in print uh, for this year for sure, but there's no guarantee on Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs. Got plenty of flim flam if you're looking for that, but I'm just giving you guys, uh, they, got, they recently did an inventory and they told me, and uh, I made a posting on social media on Facebook about Stark Villains and said, hey, there's about 200 copies left. I think it was like 240, and then about 25 of them got purchased that day. So don't delay buying Stark Villains and really alpha dogs uh, if you're looking. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, you can find it at StarkVillains.com. And uh, we look forward to being back with you guys on Friday. Again, so much to talk about. Hopefully we're talking about some big bulldog wins. But again, let me remind you too, please stick with our team and stick with our players. Uh, you know, baseball is a long year. It's a long season. And it's not going to be long in the negative variety. We're going to be okay. We are going to be in a regional somewhere. Will it be in Starkville? Hopefully. Will it be somewhere else? I think that's probably – pretty much assured i think we can go 18 and 12 in the league maybe even 15 and, and probably get a regional somewhere because we're mississippi state but uh, i do expect there to be postseason baseball but i think we're going to earn our way in i don't think we have to live off our reputation until next time let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live